All right, welcome back to After a Few Podcast. Huge show coming up tonight. We got Justin Kenner from uh, ESPN Radio and down to date, and we're talking all things Buckeyes. We're talking college football. Top 25 polls just came out. Uh, get some information. That is a great interview we have. Also coming up, really great interview with Chris McNeil, the uh, owner-conductor of the 0-16 and 16 Browns Parade last year. He's going to come on and talk all things Browns. Let's go. How ridiculous. This guy's serious right now. He's a little incoherent. What's happening? Throwing bangers out. OH! Oh god, here we go. Alright, before we get started with the interviews. We want to let everybody know this episode is brought to you by Minuteman Tickets. Uh, Check them out. They got great deals on the Nebraska game this weekend. Concert tickets coming up. Anything, give them a call. 614-943-3000. Check them out. Fee-free tickets. Great guys. Um, Give them a call. Hassle-free. All right, we're going to welcome in uh, Justin Kinner from ESPN Radio. We are talking straight up college football. The... uh, Show came out twenty top twenty five, and uh, top four as we speak: Alabama, Clemson, LSU, Notre Dame. First thoughts on the top four? Uh, top four. I I didn't think that's exactly what I expected. I was looking back to years past, all the way back to fourteen, and the very first one that came out, week ten is always when the college football playoff poll comes out. And if you look at the AP poll in week ten, the last four or five years. And then the first college football playoff poll that comes out each year, this is the very first time in the history of the playoff that the same four in the AP were the same four in the playoff. Um, really, this is, I mean, right now, if every team wins out, this will be the most boring path to the playoffs out there because if these four teams win out, no one's jumping up. Like, there is no what if at yeah. this point. So um, it's going to, like, Notre Dame's going to have to lose. Clemson, I don't think they will just because their path is easy the rest of the way. But, like, if Alabama slips or LSU slips, which but, one of those two teams will coming up. So. Kenner, they got the game of the week this week. LSU, That's what I'm saying. Well, those two. Yeah. So, yeah, and I forgot about those two going head-to-head with LSU in the mix, too. But Bama could – if Bama loses, that four doesn't change. I think Bama just drops to four and then Notre Dame moves up and LSU moves up and Clemson moves up. I don't think Notre – I don't think Alabama drops into the top four, as crazy as that sounds. So we got uh, five teams from the SEC in the top 11. We got two from the Big Ten, one from the ACC, one from the Big 12, one from the Pac-12, and then we got Notre Dame, who basically is in their own league of whatever, legends, whatever whatever you want to call it. (laughs) So after uh, Alabama, Clemson, LSU, Notre Dame, uh, then we get into a Big Ten, Michigan. Um, Then we got Georgia followed by Oklahoma, Washington State, but Georgia does play Kentucky this week. So number nine is going to be Kentucky. And then 10, Ohio State, 11, Florida, UCF at 12. Now, let's just... let's Get just, UCF the hell out of okay, there. Okay, thank UCF, you. That was, they, they can kiss my ass. I'm so sick of this UFC garbage that's been talked about. I mean, I'm a little over the top on it. I get it. But I'm so sick of that storyline. Like, there's no way you can... I mean... I'm, oh, they've been undefeated going on two years. Yeah, that's because they haven't played anybody in two years. Like, I'll take a five-loss LSU team playing in the SEC over an undefeated UCF team any day. 
Okay. Maybe that's over the top, but you nope. get what I'm saying. Nope, I get what you're saying. So what I'm doing right now, I'm going to eliminate them. I, there's no possible way they can get in. Their strength of schedule is going to cost them in the end, no matter what, if they go 150-0, and 0, it still really doesn't matter. They don't play a soul. So let's go back to number 11, Florida. Florida is going to be in the SEC. You know, They're going to be in Georgia's conference, so it's either going to be Florida-Georgia going to the SEC title game, probably to face Bama, obviously. Um do you like Florida's chances? I think they're sitting there with two losses. I don't like their chances. I this is a year that we're most likely there's a good chance you'll see two undefeated teams in the in the playoffs when it comes down to that point. Uh last year the big question for me was what would we ever see first in the playoff? Would we see a two loss team what would come first in the history of the playoff? Would we see a two loss team in the playoff or would we see a Oh, hell, I already forgot where I was going with Oh, will we see a two-loss team in the playoff or two teams in the same conference yeah. in the playoff? And we already saw that last year. I think it'll be – I don't think you'll ever see it. I mean, I don't want to say ever. Um, but this, everything would have to fall just perfectly for Florida to get in. I just don't see that happening. Alabama would get in, uh, would have one loss and still get in over them. LSU with two losses, I would still give them the nod to get in over a two-loss Florida team yeah. uh, just because LSU has beaten four top 25 teams already. And I think Oklahoma, so no, I, I I Ohio State, yeah, all of those teams ahead. So let's just go ahead and eliminate Florida. So now we're down yeah. to the top 10. Ohio State num- coming in at number 10. Now, I personally feel like we – have a lot to prove coming out of of this of this Purdue crap of this urban crap they got to get over it I think they control their own destiny to maybe put them at the four and a half spot uh I know Buckeye fans aren't going to like this, and I get ripped here in Dayton all the time as being the Buckeye hater yep. even though I like to call myself a Buckeye realist more than anything else um Ohio State is in trouble from the standpoint of, I know people like to say they control their own destiny. I, I don't think that's true. I think that they are in control of each week, you know, making sure that they win. If they win out, it's not guaranteed that they're in. That's you why know, I said four and a half. That's that's where I'm yeah, at right that, now. Because you got to think, like right now, if it plays out, the, the teams that are going to be flirting with that four spot are going to be Ohio State, Oklahoma, uh, and I'll put Ohio State-Michigan together because they're a package deal because whoever, to me, that Ohio State-Michigan game is a playoff game at the end of the year. Right, but that's going to um, leap so, somebody, right? It has to leap somebody. That's, that's the Big what... Ten doesn't have to be included. Georgia could still get in. Georgia's the, the, Georgia's the team that everyone is not really keeping an eye on right now because they dropped back after that loss. But if Georgia wins out and beats Alabama in the SEC championship game and let's say Bama beats LSU coming up this weekend – you're going to get LSU and Alabama back in. Then Clemson's going to be there. Notre Dame's going to be there. And then the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten gets left out this year unless something something drastic has to happen. Why? I don't think the Big Ten and, gets and, and that's my question is why? How how can – Because there's, there's, there's going to be a situation where it might come down to Michigan and, and Notre Dame. Well, Notre Dame's beat Michigan. So if Michigan beats Ohio State, that's where that's going to hurt Michigan. No, if it comes yeah, down to yeah. Ohio State – you can't forgive a 30-point I don't care. This wasn't a three-point loss as time expired. On a field goal as time expired. They got their asses whipped. They were embarrassed at Purdue. And I was there. It was not pretty. It was just, man, that, that can't happen. You can't lose to Purdue. It's not like you got blown out by Penn State and it was just an off night. Like you got blown out by Purdue. And I just don't – we saw last year the committee just didn't overlook the Iowa loss because they should have been in over Bama last year. But that Iowa loss, not that they lost, but how they lost kept them out. I'm going to agree with you on a bunch of points, but just as a as a 
the, the Kool-Aid's still flowing, man. I mean, I, st- I think we got a chance to, to sneak in if Michigan can win out, win out impressively, and then it's Ohio State-Michigan, and then you win the bowl game convincingly. There's no way if, if – I, 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 here's the team that's really going to – that's really, I think, going to cost Ohio State is Oklahoma because um, the Big 12 – Whatever. I, I feel like it's hard to play at the Big 12. I think we've seen that. Oklahoma State, you know, put it to Texas. I mean, the, Texas was way too high. But you can't tell me Ohio State's right now not better than Kentucky. And I've watched Kentucky uh, play. We, they're we they're good. Defend. They're good. But Ohio State beats Kentucky 9 out of 10 times, in my opinion. But but the thing is, if that's why... In, when this first poll came out the other night, I have a lot of people that say, oh, the first poll doesn't matter. Who cares about the first right, poll? Right. I'm like, I care a lot about the first poll because I don't give a shit about who's in the top four. I don't care who's one, two, three, or four. The teams that I fall in love with that you learn the most about the committee, it's not the teams that are in, it's the teams that are out. You learn more about what the committee is looking at based on the teams that sit at five, six, and seven. You learn more about the committee based on those teams than teams one through four. And the one thing that I noticed, look, I mean, Michigan, obviously, on the outside looking in, Georgia, one loss. But if you look at uh, Washington State and Kentucky ahead of Ohio State right now, in in regards to the one-loss teams, the one thing that is in common with all of those is their strength of schedule. The strength of schedule, not strength of schedule, but the top 25 wins. Top 25 wins matter. Yeah, Washington and you want to know why it ma- why they're top 25 is because, like, I, I've been through this. They sprinkle in these teams. They sprinkle in these SEC teams. And they Ohio State is not good this year. They have a ton to prove, but I'm telling you, they're way better than Kentucky. We're going to agree to oh, disagree this, on that. Thing. But the, no, 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 but the thing is, I know that they are head and shoulders better than Kentucky, but what I mean is, is from a resume, like that's always been my argument. I will never say that, like last year, I wasn't convinced. I thought Ohio State was still one of the top four teams last year, but they did not have – it's not about who's the right. – the committee always tries to tell you it's, oh, the best four teams. That's not true. It's the top four resumes. It has nothing to do with the top four teams because Ohio State in 2015 had the best team and probably it could have gone down in the history of college football – but because of that three-point loss against Michigan State at night at home in the rain, when everything that went wrong, everything that could go wrong went wrong, they were left out. Not because they weren't the best team, but because the resume didn't match up. So, again, I know what you're saying, but Kentucky's resume right now is just better. So is Washington State's. But I don't think they're better teams than Ohio State, not by a long shot, not even close. Okay, so Kentucky plays Georgia this week. So that one of those teams, get beat in, so. one, one of those teams is going to get booted. Um so winner, winner, no matter what, I, I really got to You got to believe Ohio State's going to jump the loser of that. Now, Washington State, who knows about them? You know, Mike Leach, that guy's a loose cannon. I love it. But uh, their only real test is coming up November 23rd at Washington. So they're in a position, a sneaky position at eight, unless something crazy happens where they could be playing Washington at Washington basically to get in. Yeah, and I don't think the Pac-12 is getting in. I don't think they're getting in. Like, I think I think what the committee also does is it rewards teams based on what they've done to this point. I think this is the best poll that's been released in quite some time in regards to, like, for UCF, I'm tired of people talking about, like, last year. Oh, they were undefeated last This is about this year. Okay, UCF is the only one I have an issue with where they're at in this poll because they have no business being around these other teams. But like Kentucky, they deserve to be where they're at based on what they've accomplished to this point. People like to make the mistake of, yeah, well, at the end of the year, Ohio State's going to be – well, that's fine. At the end of the year, Ohio State will be. But as of right now up to this point, 
Kentucky deserves to be there, Washington State with their two top 25 wins. But it's all going to shake themselves out because yep. they're not going to fall back because of their lack of talent. They're going to fall back because, again, not the better teams jumping them, but the resumes will continue to get better for other teams. And the resumes is the big thing, and that's what's going to keep teams jumping those teams, even if those teams win. But I don't see Kentucky beating Georgia this week. Yeah, so I think the game that's going to be uh, key for number seven, Oklahoma, um, basically they got nobody until they're at number 13, West Virginia again, November 23rd. That seems like a hot date now. Um, yeah. So that's going to be, if West Virginia keeps winning out, if Oklahoma keeps winning out, that game could be the game that like vaults one of those two teams. Yeah, I think, yeah. The thing is though, because the, the SEC just keeps cannibalizing one another the ACC's crap, but Clemson's going to get the benefit of the doubt from that. The Big Ten's going to hover. The Pac-12, I just don't see it. I don't know. I really do think it's three conferences for four spots right now, with the Big 12 being the outlier if Oklahoma wins out. So, I don't know. I don't see the Pac-12 having a chance. I just don't. Even if the top teams of the Pac-12 win out, I just don't see them having that shot. So, who you got this week? We got number six at... Number nine, Kentucky. Georgia is minus nine on the road at Kentucky. Now, that should say something within itself. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a big line. I mean, that's a hell of a line for if Georgia was the home team. So <laughs> that's a pretty impressive, I mean, that's giving Kentucky a little favor right there. Right now, I'm going to, Georgia has this, but I will get, I think Kentucky will play it close in the first half and into the third quarter, but I think Georgia eventually just pulls it away. So I'm not, I think, Georgia's going to keep winning. I think Georgia beats Kentucky coming up. Yeah, that's. I think that's an easy win they for Georgia. They the firepower to keep up with Georgia. That's the biggest thing. The thing is, nine points is a lot of points at Kentucky. I really feel like Georgia's going to win the game. Kentucky might be close in that one. Number five, Michigan. Home versus Penn State this weekend. Um, this is one of those games that you can't vault them past number four, Notre Dame, with a win, but... With LSU Alabama playing this week, this could obviously you, you win, you move in. So Michigan has a lot to prove. I think that they've gotten better, so much better since the Notre Dame game that it's scare, like it's starting to scare me. You know, it's like Harbaugh's got a squad now. What what now? So well, they have the, the thing with Shea Patterson too. Like he's not a he he's not going to hurt you the way uh, you know what we're seeing out of Dwayne Haskins, but. He's not going to turn the ball over. He does a tremendous job running that offense. But for Michigan, it's the defense right now. Michigan's defense is what really is, has separated themselves from even Ohio State at this point. Now, the lack of offense, or at least the not-so-explosive offense, that's where Ohio State closes the gap. So, again, if Ohio State's average at 35 and Michigan holds them to you know around 20, they're still averaging more points at that point than what Michigan would. So I, I think that's going to be an interesting clash whenever we get to that point. Michigan, though, I think they beat Penn State coming up. But if they lose, Ohio State has to root for Michigan. Right. Like, Ohio State's yeah. best chance, because keep in mind, they're going to place a shit team in the Big Ten Championship, like Northwestern or Purdue or something. like. They're going to play a bad team in the Big Ten Championship. So Ohio State's best thing to going for them is the higher that Michigan is seeded, the better a win that's going to be for them when it gets to that point. Yeah, I mean, at that point, you know, a couple games away, you might be looking at, um, you might be looking at like a uh, eight-five matchup, eight-four. So it could be a, it could be a really nice 
a really nice game that could be a vaulter. Again, a, one of these games could vault them into the top. Notre Dame is the team that is that really, really, really scares me because their uh, schedule coming up, they got five and three at Northwestern. This is a game that is is scary, I think, for Notre Dame. Northwestern is hot right now, and Notre Dame is hot as well. But nine and a half points at Northwestern. Who do you like? I uh, sorry about that. I'm rolling with. Uh, I don't know. That's going to be tough. I think it's going to be close, especially since it's at Northwestern too. That's what kind of the outlier is for that situation. But for me, I'm going to roll with Notre Dame. Yep. But when you get closer to the playoffs, the one thing that I see happening is, remember back in 14, TCU should have probably been in over Ohio State. I know Ohio State went on to win the national championship, but again, in regards to resumes, I I still think that TCU should have been the team that got in. Yeah, that was the first year. They were selling tickets. But Well, that and what kept TCU out of it was the fact that they didn't have the Big 12 championship game. And I think that was the committee's way of looking at TCU and the Big 12 and saying, F you guys, you guys need to get in a conference, you know, get a conference championship. I think the committee is going to look at Notre Dame this year if they are undefeated at the end and use this as the opportunity to say, screw you guys, get in a conference, man up, and let's go. Let's get this thing rolling. I could see the committee pulling a fast one because keep in mind that, you know, the Big Ten championship, while those games are going on, Notre Dame's sitting at home not doing anything. You're right. And I think that's going to hurt them in the big scheme of things, especially if Notre Dame's going to be a three or a four. That's where teams like Georgia are going to jump them, or in Oklahoma or in Ohio State. Those three teams that have a Big Ten cha- or a conference championship in that final week, that's going to propel them past, past Notre Dame if it comes down to that last week. You are smart. That may that that right there, that right there, folks, is top notch. Okay. But because their their schedule's not bad, like their resume is going to be good, but they don't. It's not like they have beaten. Yeah, Michigan got, will be their best win. Well, they got Florida State at home after that. Then they got nine, number nineteen Syracuse at home. Now Syracuse is playing scary good. They they can score. They can't stop anybody. So if if if, if uh, Notre Dame loses this year, it'll be the Syracuse. I, I don't think they lose to, to Northwestern. Although if they lose this weekend, it wouldn't. I'm not going to wake up Sunday and say, I can't believe that happened. Right. I wouldn't be shocked if it happened. But the, the the if Notre Dame loses, it won't be to USC. It's not going to be you know, to Florida State. It's going to be to Syracuse. Syracuse has done a good job this year of playing good teams close. Look back to the Clemson game, yep. which, of course, Clemson did lose their starting quarterback in that um, to begin with. So that kind of kept them in it a little bit more. But they played Florida State tough. So I, I, I like Syracuse against Notre Dame. If they're going to lose, that's the one I would circle. Yeah, I do agree with that. They got USC after that at USC. I mean, USC is playing that's bad. That's going to be tough too. But They're they're playing bad. I I think Notre Dame comes to play in that game, especially if that's if they're there undefeated until then. But uh, That's a tough scenario that they're playing. It's not so much a tough team. You know, like Penn State, even a bad Penn State team, if you're playing them at night under the lights with the whiteout, exactly. that's just a tough environment you're playing in, regardless of the opponent. Now, Penn State's always good, so it just elevates it. But, you know, USC at night, final week. We call those we call those trap games right um, here. Yeah. 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 Uh, so. so, LSU number three, home versus Alabama. You want to know the spread on that boy? Minus 15 Alabama at LSU. Oh, it moved up. It was eighteen, so it moved. Yeah. yeah, it got it got tighter. It went from fourteen and a half to fifteen, and then it went to eighteen, and it's back to fifteen. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's surprising. Um, 
I like Alabama, but I'm tired of all the, this is the best Alabama team in the history of Alabama. They haven't played, like, I don't, I ask, look, I always talk about UFC, or UFC, UCF, sorry, about how they haven't played anybody, but then I turn around and sound like a hypocrite when I say Alabama. There are certain teams in sports that you just know are good, like Duke and basketball and Kentucky, like those teams, they don't have to play anybody for you to know that they're Duke and Kentucky. And college football, Ohio State and Alabama and those types of schools, they don't have to play anybody for you to know that they're Alabama and that they're Ohio State. Now, with that being said, I do think that there will be a dip in regards to how dominant Alabama looks. I think LSU's defense is what's going to make that game closer than it's just what Joe Burrow does with it from the rest. I don't know if we've seen the real Alabama yet, but I don't think the I don't think the dip off from what we've seen against bad teams is going to be that big of a dip off against LSU. But it'll be enough of enough of a dip off to the point where LSU can counter uh, and make it an interesting game. So I don't know. It's plus it's a league game too, and I like LSU in that one. Plus I like Ed Orgeron too. Yeah, I. So if LSU loses, they're out. if LSU loses, they're out. If Alabama loses. LSU moves up and Alabama has a chance to get in. And that I think is where it gets dicey. And then you throw other sec teams in that can get in as well. That gets really even more dicey. So yeah, cause what that does, like if LSU wins, they move up to two and Clemson would go one. Bama would go four and Notre Dame at three. That would be my projection. If LSU wins. Yeah. I mean, so number two is Clemson. I, I agree. Alabama, I think gets in no matter what. I mean, their their hands like the the difference in Alabama to Ohio State. Like, if I was an if I was uh, on the outside looking in, it's like Alabama blows these teams out, and Ohio State kind of struggles to blow these teams out. So, I think I think you're okay with that. But Alabama's re- remaining schedule: Mississippi State at home, the Citadel at home, and Auburn at home. Then they got the big the SEC title game. I I think they roll easily. LSU on the other hand, LSU on the other hand, they play Alabama, you know, this week. So if they win, then they got Arkansas, 2 and 7 Arkansas at Arkansas, a 1 and 8 Rice at home and then they're at Texas Tech or Texas A&M. So LSU can control their own destiny as well. The team that I am skeptical about is Clemson. Um they play Louisville at home this week. They're a minus 40 favorite. They play at Boston College coming up. They got Duke at home. They got South Carolina at home. And then they could have the ACC title game against Virginia, Virginia Tech. Now, what do you think? I mean, if they win, they're in. Is Do you think there's any games in there they could slip up? I mean, Boston College is the one that obviously steps out. But Virginia, Virginia Tech, I don't think they can beat them. Well, here's the thing, too, to think about. Um, you don't think they can beat them? No. And they, you don't think they could beat Clemson? No. Yeah, oh, no, I agree. Uh, but here's the thing to think about. Because remember earlier I said it's not about the, – the committee likes to say it's about the best teams. I, I, don't, I think they're full of shit. It's always about the best resumes, and they, they basically put them hand-in-hand hand with the best resumes based on the teams you've beat, meaning you're the best. What happens if Notre Dame runs the table and Clemson runs the table, but then you have – like if LSU beats Alabama this weekend and Alabama's only lost the rest of the way is LSU – and then LSU rolls the rest of the way. Now you have LSU and Alabama who would be in, and then you're going to have to decide from there about the Big 12, the Big 10, and then you're going to have Notre Dame and Clemson there. There might be an undefeated team that gets bumped out. I'm not one to say that just because you're undefeated you deserve to be in. I've always thought that's a weak stance to have because, like LSU, I'll take a two-loss 
LSU team or a one-loss LSU team over an undefeated Clemson team any day at this point, just based on what Clemson's or LSU's accomplished. This is the biggest game of the season, LSU and Alabama, because if LSU wins, that's going to turn the entire college football playoff picture on its head because there's going to be three legit teams left out, two to three legit teams left out if that happens when it's all said and done. Yeah. I mean, Clemson struggled. They got the W over Texas A&M 28-26 earlier in the year. Then they played Syracuse, or Syracuse played them really tough and actually probably should have beat them. 27-23 they win. I, I think it's anybody's game. Kenner, we appreciate you joining us. It's been a minute. Anytime you want to come on, I got one question to get you out of here, though. Thoughts, oh, yeah, no problem. thoughts on Urban leaving Ohio State after this year? Uh, look, I love Urban Meyer, man. But, you know, I believe I, I 150,000% believe he has health issues. That's not. This is going to sound cold-hearted of me. Yep. But here's the problem. I believe that he's had health issues and that he's always had health issues, but you can't only legit. You can't only have health issues when things are going wrong with your programs. Like th- up until August, this is the very first time that we've had any negative uh, storylines surrounding Ohio State. And up until that point, when he's hoisting championships and he's hoisting, you know, yeah. play- playoff appearances, no, no issues, no headaches, no problems. And now all of a sudden he has health, health issues when the season's kind of kind of rolling off the tracks. He did this at Florida, too. Now, again, this isn't my opinion. I'm just saying I believe he really has health issues. But the perception to him is is that when the situation gets overwhelming, he can't handle it just like at Florida. And that's what it's looking like now. I don't know. My gut – I can't see him leaving, but my gut is not telling me that he's returning either. I don't know if that makes sense. But I don't really have a feeling either way. I I would understand if he left. Man, I, I don't know. If he leaves, by the way, I'm not a big fan of Ryan. Everyone's all going nuts for Ryan Day. I don't know where you guys sit on that. I don't believe Ohio State's the type of program you give a first-year head coach the job to. I just don't. Well, that's that's a discussion for another day because, <laughs> I mean, we yeah. could get going on the Luke Fickle. I mean, he's having a year, but it's it's one nope, of those things. It'll so be, it's, I'm telling you now, it's a name that no one's thought about. It's Dabo Swinney. Dabo uh, Swinney will be the next coach at Ohio it, State. I'll just it. leave that with you. Yeah, all right. <laughs> we appreciate you joining us, uh, Kenner. Check him out um, every day. Kenner, and, and give it, plug, your, plug yourself. No, it's cool because people don't know his name. It's Kenner and Schlemmer yeah. uh, on ESPN 1410 Wing Am and Dayton. We're on every day from 3 to 6. Uh, yeah, we do a Sunday morning show as well. We always do it out on location at the Frickers here. Uh, and we have like a ton of people come out. We tailgate. And we watch the Browns. We watch the Bengals. It's, I mean, it, this is the best time of year right now. College football and NFL just going full steam. College basketball tipping off here in a week. Oh I, I absolutely gosh. love this time Are of you year. Ser- Yeah, NBA is back in full swing. It's crazy. Um, well, Kenner, we'll get you on later. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. Great stuff, though. I love the insight. I tried. At least someone thinks so. So that's all that. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate it. I'll, I'll be glad to come on again. Yep. So just let me know. All right, buddy. See ya. All right, Kenner. We appreciate it. Now we're going to get straight into the Browns interview with Chris McNeil. What an interview. Good insight. He'll give you the details. Awesome. Here we go. Uh, we want to welcome in, welcome back, Chris McNeil to the show. Uh, Chris was the organizer of the Browns 0-16 parade last year. Chris, how you doing? Good, Scott. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Oh, not too bad. Got a got the Thursday night game on here. 
the toilet bowl. The t- <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that's like a dumpster fire. I think they if they played that in my backyard, I wouldn't even open the drapes on that one. <laughs> well, at least they're both at the same skill level, so maybe it'll be an okay game. I don't know. yeah like watching two toddlers fight i mean let's put it this way the browns have a better record than both of these teams this year ouch ouch how about that huh (laughs) how about that prime time prime time (laughs) thursday night these games have supposedly gotten better right thanks nfl yeah Yeah, and they took the color rush away so like what are we even watching (laughs) (laughs) so speaking of the browns record chris what are your thoughts on just overall on the browns performance so far this season you know, when you when you look at the net result, what do we got? Two and a half wins right now. You're about right where I expected them to be. I think coming into the season, I gave them about five or six wins. And uh, I thought that was actually pretty optimistic. I mean, you go from the last two seasons winning, unfortunately, only one ball game. Of course, we know last season we ran it. We ran the whole season in reverse and went 0-16. So uh, I, I thought we were about a five or six win team. We were on pace for that. Now, on the other hand, you look at the way that these games have actually played out, and it has just been unbelievable the way they've been able to pull defeat out of the jaws of victory just almost week by week. We've had a couple of blowouts in there, but for the most part, these games have just been unbelievable and tiring to watch. I mean, four overtime games this season already. Who does that? Who does it? Half of our games have gone to overtime. That's just incredible. Incredible. So even for the Cleveland Browns that always do wacky stuff, we're kind of used to that as Browns fans. Even for that, this has been a particularly wacky season for us. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. Um, at this point in the season, and I think that's about what I would have given them going into the season, five or six wins. Um, but, you know, they're they're trying to stay competitive and they, they were saying that they want to be in every game this year and it certainly seems like they have. Um, they just find a way to lose it so far. Um, so what are your thoughts on the dismissal of Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley at this point in the season? Do you think that's the right call? And, you know, what impact is that going to have? Well, I think it's the right call only in the sense that I, I think Hugh needed to go. Uh, you know, I, I was in the boat that I think a lot of people were of why are you bringing Hugh Jackson back at the beginning of this season? I thought, you know, Going 0-16, winning one game in two years, that 99.9% of NFL coaches fired, but for some reason the Haslam's kept him around. Now, I started the conspiracy theory. I, I, I can't, didn't really start it. I, I think I'd heard it from somewhere else. Uh, but, you know, the more and more I hear it, I, I, I tend to believe it in that – I think Hugh Jackson may have been brought back on this team so that the Cleveland Browns could be on hard knocks. The NFL has this rule, and the rule is that first-year head coaches cannot – those teams are not eligible to be on hard knocks. And, of course, if the Browns were to fire Hugh Jackson, we would have had a first-year coach, so we couldn't have been on hard knocks and gotten all that exposure, become America's team for a hot second, uh, and, and really been embraced nationally there for a little while. So we would have totally lost that opportunity if we didn't bring him back so I don't know that that wasn't at the back of the Haslam's minds when they brought him back for this season now going into this season obviously I didn't want him there like I said uh, I thought that if you're gonna bring him back though at least give him till the bye which they didn't we're two weeks away from the bye uh, but a change was inevitable 
Uh, I was kind of surprised, actually, though, that Todd Haley uh, also got the hacks because I think that the consensus was that he was going to become the head coach of the Cleveland Browns when they got rid of Hugh Jackson. And obviously, we know the way it's played out. I think surprised everybody. They canned Hugh. And then shortly after that, I was really surprised to see Todd Haley was the next one to go. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to see that in the the conspiracy theory with Hard Knocks. That's something interesting to think about as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's wait, seemed... wait, wait. McNeil is all about conspiracy theories. That's that's. Oh yeah, tinfoil hats. I'm all about that. Come <laughs> Jeez on, cripes. I love Jeez. this stuff. Even if it's not true, throw it up against the wall. You know, with the Cleveland Browns, I mean, fiction and nonfiction just just roll together when it comes to the Browns. So it really doesn't matter if it is 100% true. In my world, it is. Yeah, so you get Greg. You got Greg Williams now as your head coach. uh, Stranger than fiction in and of itself. Right. So you got him, (laughs) and then you got a guy going to be coaching the offense. His his name's Kitchens. I feel like... I feel like we're going somewhere now. Seriously. I feel like we're we're on the right path. Do you think they have a head coach inside this organization right now or do you think they're going to hire with with like out they're going to try to bring a big guy in pay him a ton? What do you think? I think honestly what's going to happen, you get these a lot in the NFL where you get shotgun weddings, right? Where you have a head coach in place then you bring in a GM and inevitably that doesn't work out and here's a case we got john dorsey now has an opportunity to pick his guy as head coach and i think i'm really hoping that jimmy haslam is going to step back and let john dorsey really conduct this head coaching search on his own and pick out his own guy uh for the cleveland browns that's what i'm hoping happens and if that does happen I think we're probably looking at a head coach that comes out of like the Andy Reid uh, yeah, type you were of going coaching there. tree. I knew it. What's that? I knew you were yeah. going there. I'm not Andy Reid himself. I'm saying from that coaching tree. Let's, let's not be. Yeah, hold on. Go- hey, hypothetically, would you trade Baker right now for Pat Mahomes? Oh, that's a tough one. You know what? I like Baker. But, I know. Boy, I do too. Close, I do too. But but just falling in love with the guy. So I don't know that I would. Even though you know, if I'm if I'm talking with my head, and you know, it, it would be a no brainer that I would make that trade right now. But you know, Baker's really you know I, now it's a heart thing. I want to keep the guy around. Right. And I, it's it's short term on both of those guys. I mean, we're very early uh, with what we're seeing. So uh, yeah, it's probably the wrong move, but I'd keep Baker. So what do you think about the trades that we have made so far this season? You had Carlos Hyde most recently went love fifth round picks. I love fifth round picks. Yeah, How about stop that? it. <laughs> well, I mean, what what value are you going to get out of him other than that at that at that point? Yeah, but really, my my thing is, Chris. Here's my thing. Duke gets Duke gets a little bit banged up last week. Right. Um, then now you're now you're kind of force feeding Chubb. You had Hyde. You could have ran him till he was dead. Had Chubb fresh next year, one year in the books. Duke's still there. Do you? I don't know. I I, I just can't get behind that trade. All the other ones I'm cool with, but Carlos Hyde. I think one. so. I think it was a product of the power struggle internally. I really do. 
I think Hugh wanted to continue to go to Hyde because he thought that Hyde in the short term was going to give him the best best uh, chance at winning ball games. You know, a veteran knew what he was doing. You know, Chubb, even though we we all think that he's going to be great and everything that he's done looks good. Uh, Chubbs, he's still unproven as a rookie. So he was trying to go with the more proven commodity, the guy that he trusted a little bit more. And I think that basically uh, John Dorsey said, hey, you can't start him anymore because now he plays for Jacksonville. You know, he's gone. A little money ball so trick there. A little money the ball. money ball trick, yeah. And I even sent that out there. And I, I really think there was some version of that that happened within the Cleveland Browns. So uh, I don't think it was good for us. I, I'm with you. I kind of like the three-headed monster that we were rolling out there, especially with the way that the NFL tends to just chew up and spit out running backs. Yep. Uh, it's never bad to have three. Uh, but – you know, ultimately it's a power struggle. And in this case, you know, the kids suffer and that's what you got here. Right. Um, with the, the power struggle and, and all of the turmoil that have been, you know, surrounding the coaching staff and everything um, in this team this year, do you think that's been one of the biggest factors in contributing to some of the miscues and losses that we've, we've had to undergo this year? Yeah, I, I think so. I think you see some inconsistencies, uh, inconsistencies and bad job of of calling plays on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I, that's been been very frustrating. We really haven't put together any kind of an offensive identity or anything consistent uh, week in and week out. Uh, it, it seems like our strategy and going into ball games is not strong because obviously we haven't started off very well in any of these games from an offensive standpoint and our adjustments have at times been okay but for the most part i haven't been blown away by those either and then what happens there if your offense obviously isn't doing anything then it's going to tax the defense and a defense that we saw it's been pretty darn good gentlemen at times i but, think but you can only uh, be so season, you can only be so good when you're gassed. on the field all the time that's right that's exactly right you're getting gassed and i think that's what's happening and then then you, you start having big personalities like greg williams and like todd that are just naturally going to start finger pointing at each other i think we saw it a little bit on hard knocks and you add a little bit of uh, of problems with the team as they start to lose and that's just going to get that uh to the next level so i do i do think that that stuff does pour over onto the field uh for what you see on a week in week out basis and that's why i think they needed to do something uh and i think that john dorsey recognized that fact yeah 100 percent agree um who so far has surprised you on this team this year who do you think has has stood out you know among all of the losses and, and things that were bad that have happened what players have impressed you so far for this team well first and foremost uh denzel ward uh, I, you know, I really questioned that pick. Uh, I, I really thought that it was, it was a pick that may have made sense maybe a little bit later in the first round, uh, and may have been one of those where the Browns were kind of playing to the Buckeye Homerish uh, fan base that we've got here. But boy, that guy is just a ball hawk. Uh, you talk about what Greg Williams defense is, and it's a defense that tries to get the ball, that tries to rip the ball, that tries to make the offense turn over the ball in any way possible. And Denzel Ward has just fit into that so well. I've been so impressed with what he's done. Uh, and then we'll take it to the top of the draft and say Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield has done a nice job. Right now we're going through uh, the part of the season that's going to define whether he's ultimately going to be a success in this league or not, uh, which is 
He comes out, does well in the first few weeks. Teams start to adjust. He starts to get more tape on himself that's out there in the NFL. Now teams are starting to make him look a little silly back there at times. And now he's got to make that extra adjustment. He's got to step up. He's got to be the professional that that we think he is, going and doing his homework and being able to overcome what defenses are now throwing at him. Because the last game, he looked clueless at times, gentlemen. And I think, I think uh, knowing his work ethic, and what he's been able to do that he's going to turn that around here going forward. Yeah, I do my I do have a like a question about so Tyrod Tyrod whatever started out this year, okay? You know, we had on Hard Knocks they had the camper and it felt like everything was a team and la la la. I haven't seen right. him. Where's he on the sidelines? Is he doing the best job in your opinion to help Baker get to the next level? Yeah, and you know, I I almost sit back and, and think, well, what what do you want out of the guy? What did the Browns really want out of the guy? Because I think the Browns brought him in here to be the starter, to really be the starter of this team and not be one of those, okay, we're going to bring in a veteran who's going to coach the next guy. I, I mean, if you really wanted to do that, we'd still have Josh McCown around. I mean, I think that guy's like True. the perfect I mean, you could have wasted money other, other ways, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and uh, you I see think Tyron Taylor this- was brought in. They thought they might catch a little lightning in a bottle. This is a guy who still on film looks great at times and, and had, did look good for us at times, uh, enough so that we started him coming out of the gates this year. And I think that they, that was going to be his role. And as soon as that didn't happen, as soon as he got injured and Baker Mayfield came in, uh, it was next man up. And, you know, whatever Tyrod gives us from a coaching standpoint would be great. But, you know, that wasn't what he was asked to do. So I'm not really going to fault him much if he's not in there necessarily being the kind of help for Baker Mayfield that ideally we would have from like a McCown or someone like that. Yeah, with with Baker starting now, um, do you think that has been the right call? Because, I mean, look, we've seen this story played over and over again since the Browns came back in 99. And how many rookie quarterbacks have we gotten hurt or ruined um, you know, is Baker Mayfield, does it feel different here? And, and is it the right call to, you know, give him the reins on this? Obviously you kind of didn't have a choice with Tyrod getting hurt, but is it a good decision to let him run with it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I I'm one of those that I, I thought as long as Tyrod was playing well enough, uh, for us to win ball games, uh, keep him in there. But as soon as that wasn't happening anymore, go ahead and throw the young guy in there. Go ahead and put Baker Mayfield in there. And I know that's one of those that that defi- divides folks. Uh, there are a lot of people that like to sit the rookies and have them wait for a long time. Uh, there are other people that want to put them in there. And I've, I, in recent years, I've come around to the camp of put them in there. You know, I've seen it. You know, the guys sitting, you see guys like Aaron Rodgers did that it, it worked out well there. But you also, on the other side, have guys like Peyton Manning went right in. You know, Troy True. Aikman back in the day went right in. You've got plenty of those guys where I just think that these guys come out of college and they're more prepared than they were before, maybe even a few years ago now. So I expect more out of these guys. Uh, and if and if they can't do it, then I'd almost rather know that earlier on rather than just waiting around for them and wasting these seasons uh, where we could really be getting a good barometer on what whether they're going to be the franchise quarterback going forward. And that's where I come out on Baker in this. I'm happy he's playing. Uh, he may get a little beat up. In fact, we know he will. Yeah, uh, and I think that's, that's been, all part that's of been my process. biggest concern, too, you know, with his yeah. inexperience of an offensive line as we have. Like, I think he's done great. I just don't want to see him get injured. Yeah, I think the the real problem was— well, no, 
know, and I'm with you there. I think the real problem was Tyrod was supposed to be the starter the whole year, but Baker is such a gamer, and he just wants it, you know? And you don't really learn much on the sidelines. I mean, it's kind of picking at your brain. So him getting in there, you know, take a shot. Take a shot down the field. Take a shot from a linebacker. You know, get up, though. Hope to God. But... You know, get in there, get some dirt on it, and let learn to play, elevate your game. I mean, you ain't going to learn sitting on the sidelines. So that's my take on that. But. So, Chris, uh, what are your expectations for the for the rest of the season? What do you think our record will end up being, and, and what do you expect going from here, you know, through the rest of the season? Yeah, I'm sure you guys have looked at the remaining schedule, and it's not pretty. No. It is not pretty. I mean, it's starting right off the bat here with Kansas City this week. I mean, High good luck. High-octane offense there, yeah. Blocking. That's right. That's right. Uh, you got Atlanta, who's nothing great. Uh, then you go into the bye, and you go immediately on the road to Cincinnati, then Houston. You got Carolina. Then you go out to Denver, where we never play well. It's Cincinnati at home and then go to Baltimore for that last game of the season, which, you know, historically we give up about 45 points and maybe <laughs> score about 20. It's like everybody's done by halftime, you know, send everybody home. Right. Uh, so, I, you know, a couple of wins in there, I think optimistically. So you're talking about a team that has four and a half wins on this season, which I guess doesn't meet what I thought going in. Uh I don't know. Unless Greg Williams can really do something. He's a real – you talk about an ultimate wild card in many senses of the That's word. That's true. I mean, he's 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 coaching for, for his future job, you know, whether it be here or whether it be somewhere else. He's telling everybody who will listen right now that, hey, all of these teams wanted me. I had sign on the line yeah, at so yeah, many yeah. of these different teams that, to be the head coach, but I turned them all down and I'm here right now. Well <laughs> – you know, I think first of all, a lot of that's BS. Sure. Uh, sec- second of all, though, uh, BS or not, if he could coach the Cleveland Browns and get you know four wins on the back half of this schedule or somewhere around there, then all of a sudden people start looking at him and not as this nut Greg Williams uh, from Bounty Gate, and maybe more <laughs> as a guy who could be the head coach either of the Cleveland Browns or somewhere else. So uh, that's going to be the wild card to watch, I think, in the in the second half of the season. Sure, and I, you can't argue with what is defense has done so far this year so we'll see how that translates into the head coaching position now well chris we appreciate you coming on the show um got one more question here that we're going to get you out on and that is right. uh when are you going to organize another parade what, what's it going to take like what's the next event that you're going to organize well, probably for? calves got to be <laughs> the Cavs, Cavs yes. no the Cavs won the Cavs yeah. won they did not win tonight I think yeah. they gave up 110 so to anybody who is playing me versus Nuggets this evening <laughs> 110 I didn't see anybody who made it so uh, RIP to all those people uh, out there eating chicken nuggets this evening to trying to outscore the Denver Nuggets it didn't work so well uh, but for the parade uh, how about let's, let's say in about three years when the Cleveland Browns win the Super Bowl how about that Baker Mayfield Ooh. is our quarterback. Chubb out there just just eating yardage up. Uh, Miles Garrett just killing quarterbacks. And, and, and any quarterback who gets a ball up getting picked off by Ward. So uh, how about that? We're going to have a Super Bowl parade come three years from three now. Three years. Great you heard answer. it here first. You Great heard it answer. here first. And we will definitely be there if that happens. All right, uh, Chris, we'll get you out of here. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. Always a pleasure to have you here. Um, you follow him on Twitter at reflog underscore 18 and, um, Chris, go ahead and plug yourself here. What else, what else do you want to know? 
That's good enough. Yeah. I mean, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter at reflog underscore 18, that's just golfer backwards. So Scott, <laughs> thanks for having me on Aaron. It was fun as always. And, uh, look forward to be on with you guys in the future. I appreciate, Go Browns. I appreciate it. Go Browns. Go Browns. Thanks, Chris. Take care. All right. Once again, Chris McNeil, uh, always great having him on the show. Good stuff today. Yeah. Great interviews. Uh, good stuff. Go Buckeyes. Browns need a win. Buckeyes need a dominating win. It's an awesome weekend of college football. There's a awesome games in NFL. Not more. You, I mean, not it's much a, more you can ask for. It's the best time. It's the best time of the year right now. Plus, we got a uh, connection on campus that's throwing a two keg or so. Peace. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, like, rate, subscribe on iTunes and Google Casts. Follow us on Twitter at AfterFewPod. And check out our website, AfterAFew.com. We've got all the episodes up there that you can stream and listen to as well. We'll see you next week.